Alright, so going on to maturity. Going on to maturity. I've been very passionate about manifestation in the life of Christians. Very, very passionate about they seeing the working of God's word in their life. Been very passionate about manifestation. Because it's one thing to know, it's another thing to see what you know in your life. And I think there's an era in the church, in the body of Christ, that we've seen a lot of knowledge. Right? I don't think, as of yet, the fact that a Christian is the is the righteousness of God is a, is a mystery. I think we've gone past that. I think, to some extent, some people still don't know that um, when we say someone is a Christian, the person is not a sinner. So up to now, we, we, we are still trying to convince some people. But to a large extent, I think the enlightenment has come. A lot of God's people know a lot. At least, as of yet, every Christian has the knowledge that if God be with us, one of the things that we should see is that we would, we would see God's word working in the area of our health, in the area of prosperity, in the area of our lives. I mean, we pray because we expect answers. Alright? So, for enlightenment and knowledge, I think the church is, is, is gaining more grounds. But there's a part that the church, when I say the church, I don't mean our church, the church of Jesus Christ. The part the church of Jesus Christ needs to be more awakened to, and that is manifestation, manifestation, manifestation. The thing that we believe, the thing that we have read, are we seeing it in our lives? You see? Are we seeing in our lives? When Jesus said, so I've been very passionate about it for some time now. It's been in all my messages. I've been very keen on manifestation. How do we see it working in our lives? How do we see prosperity working in the life of the Christian? I told them something one time when we were having the week of prayers. I said, the minimum time I give someone who has come to church and listens to the word of God and does everything he's supposed to do, the minimum time I give the person to start seeing results is three years. Three years. In three years we should see something. How do I know? That's what Jesus did, um, said in a particular parable. He said that the, the owner of the vineyard came after three years. He came to look for fruit. I mean, Jesus came to look for results after three years. But hanging around church systems for a while, I realized that some people are full of head knowledge. Head knowledge of God. They can quote everything. By his stripes I'm healed, yet they are sick. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, for me personally, if you know me very well, I'm not moved by knowledge. I'm not moved by what you know in the Bible. Some people can quote and quote. I'm not moved by any of those things. Because you see, in spiritual knowledge, in spiritual knowledge, what you know is what you can do. Anything you cannot do, you do not know. 
So people have big ways. And Peter and James, when they were walking, they were walking according to the doctrinal, we are wasting our time. See, now, a lot of, you know, since I started this topic, I've, I've been showing you childhood symptoms. A lot of God's people are now, you see, uh, uh, they are even forcing men of God to lie. Why? Because I know what to say to make you shout. I see someone receiving a visa. Someone say, hey, receive it. I see someone receiving money. We make the prayer points that God put in the Bible. They look like they are not realistic in our day. Do you know there's no... When, when Paul was stating the prayers, like right in his uh, epistles to the churches, if visa or money were the most important things, he would have said, I, I pray for you. Ephesians said that thou art, might have money. I pray for you. That no, the prayer was praying. He said, I pray for you that the Spirit... Give, give me Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. That the Lord, that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, that's Paul's prayer. He's saying, he prays, okay, let's start from verse 16. All right, I'll start reading from 15. He says, wherefore, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, seek not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. You see, so he is not praying that these people will have a visa to travel. He is not praying that these people will have money. But you look at it and it looks as though these are your immediate needs. But Paul is saying, you know, these are the, 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 the prayers of the spirit. He said that the... Um, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then verse 8, he says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that he may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It looks like these prayers are not relevant in our days. But these are the most important prayers to be prayed. So I said that a lot of the things that you are waiting to see in your life, you know, as the word of God has declared them, as the word of God has said them, a lot of the things you want to see, they are only waiting for your manifestation. And I will keep saying it. It doesn't matter what you know in your head. If you cannot do it, you don't know it. So, I'm not in a hurry to, 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 to share something. I'm not in a hurry to share something I read. You know, some Christians, <laughs> listen, the message you have lived it's more impactful than the message you have learnt. Because when you have learnt, it's, it's called head knowledge. Uh, sometimes I can be talking to, you know, one time I was talking to a lady and she was terribly sick. But, you know, she grew up around church. And when I was telling her, I said, you know, Jesus took your sicknesses. I was telling her something. I said, Jesus took your sicknesses on the cross. She said, yes, by his stripes I'm healed. I wish he didn't say that. Because she has just displayed her ignorance. She should have kept quiet. She should be ashamed that she knows it and she's sick. Because head knowledge does not do it. 
So remember during Super Sunday, I said something. When I started reading, I said, for the weapons of our warfare are not canon. I said, hold on. Some of you know this scripture, so you think we are coming to quote it again. I'm not coming to quote it. I said, hold on, read it again. Because some of you know it. Oh, for the weapons of our warfare are not canon. For their mighty truth. You already know it in your head. It is head knowledge. It has not yet become knowledge with participation. It has not yet become something that you are living. It is not your present, our reality. So today you still go to churches and you see people still, you know, you know, uh, trooping after service. Everybody will now troop to the, the prophet and the pastor. Why? Children. And in most cases, even the pastor has been a child. And I, told, and I explained why. You see, when you see somebody standing on a pulpit here, whether to preach... Whether to read rhapsody, it doesn't mean the person has matured spiritually. It is just a calling. You see, when somebody has a calling, it doesn't matter whether he has grown or not. He will stand behind it. So there are a lot of pastors who are children. And has nothing to do with years. Now I explained something in the first service. I said, sometimes you can see a 10-year-old boy who is even talking more matured than someone who is even 20 years. What is what's the difference? Knowledge. Knowledge. So, the maturity is not a, a result of, you know, how long you have been a Christian. So I've been a Christian for 30 years. So, when I'm talking to somebody who has, you know, who has been around church, they have church language. You know church language? They know it. Hey. Hey. I cut a lambano. I lambano. I take it. I throw it away. I catapult. And they would punctuate it with small tongues. You think they are matured. Let something happen right now. Pastor, I'm finished. I'm destroyed. That's why you know that they don't actually know what they've been talking about. So what, when you can, what, you, what you can do, you do not know. doesn't matter how loud your voice is. That's why you should desire to grow. Desire to grow. Now, somebody might say, every time this pastor... This pastor is telling us that, you know, because I'm saying this because somebody actually, I had a conversation with somebody. And I, I, I listened to the person. I said, look, the fact that uh, you know book eh, doesn't mean you know the word of God. Though. It's two different things. So, pastor, but you, you are saying that a Christian cannot be depressed, but I'm depressed. I'm depressed as a cat. And I said, I am not uh, closing my eye on the fact that you are actually depressed as, as um, something you are experiencing. No, but what I am sharing with you is, I am showing you who you are supposed to be. You see, what I am sharing with you now, it might not be your experience, but your experience does not invalidate the word of God. If anything is wrong with anybody, it is you. The word of God is an absolute, you know, thing. It's an, the word of God is absolute. So, it's correct. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled. So, God's word is already settled. So, if I am experiencing something different from God's word, it means I need to grow more. You see, so, there's nothing wrong with God. Everything is wrong with me. I need to grow more. Now, I explained that there are different kinds of Christians. 
There are ones um, who have gone, you know, they have taken the, the, the emotional side of Christianity, they've taken it to the extreme. You know, because there's a side in Christianity, you know, in our walk with God where we worship and we cry and we sing, you know, express our love for Jesus. Some are now taking it to another extreme. Where, they don't, where you know, they, they will cry, they will grow on the floor, you know. And if you ask them the content of their prayer, you will be surprised. The content of the tears, you'll be surprised. You look at the person and say, Ha! Ah, spiritual. Very spiritual brother, spiritual sister. But the content of their prayer will make you will let you know where they are in the spirit. So I now began to talk about how to grow. How to grow. How to grow. Now, mind you, some of the, the things I've I've told you about how to grow, some of the things I've mentioned, alright? Some of the things I've mentioned. If you do them this week, it doesn't mean you will grow this week. You can even keep repeating them one month. It doesn't mean you still grow in one month. Why? Because it's just like gym. How many of you, you want to gain weight and you go and say, today, I will gain the weight today. Then you order food. Today I'll gain the weight. It doesn't work like that. It's only your stomach. You have to keep eating. Sometimes you even have to go on a diet. Am I right? Those of you who have gained weight. I haven't tried it yet. Sometimes you have to go on a diet. So you have to eat in the morning, eat in the evening. You have to eat at a certain time. You have to eat certain kinds of food. Because you want to gain weight. And you have to do it consistently. As you keep doing it, you realize that, oh, the weight is coming. It starts from your hand. Or where? <laughs> then, some people with their head. <laughs> See? So, the same thing applies with, 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 the, with the things of the Spirit. Is that as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that may grow thereby. So, when you get born again, your love for the word of God, most of the time, is spontaneous. It just comes like when you get born again, you are just happy. You want to be in all the services. You want to read the Bible. You want to do this. You want to do that. So most of the time you find yourself doing things, you know, that make you, you love the things of God. You love the word of God. So you are growing. Now, you might think you are backsliding after some months when that is not happening to you. But there's nothing wrong with you. It's not backsliding. It's just like a baby. When the baby is hungry, you hear, ka, ka, ka. Then they give him food. He comes down. Hungry again. Ka, ka, ka. You give him food. He comes down. Now, when he grows, he now begins to understand that I don't get hungry before I, I eat. I eat, not because I eat because I'm supposed to eat. Has nothing to do with whether I'm hungry or not. You see? So, when you now start growing... You now begin to listen to the word of God because it becomes an essential for you. Now you understand. Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. So now you are, you are um, eating, you are listening to the word of God because you know that it's essential for your growth. And I told you one of the reasons why you eat and eat the word of God is because of strength. Bible says, woe unto you, um, city, when your kings... 
He said, blessed are you sitting. He said, when your kings eat for strength. So, when you take in the word of God, one of the things that happens to you is strength. So, a lot of the time, when people come to see me about certain issues, and I look at the issue, and there's time within the issue, I go and tell them, go and listen to the, go and listen to the podcast. Go and listen to Pastor Christmas. Go and listen to this. Go and read this book. Go and read that. Go and do that. Most of the time, that's what I do. I say, okay, you fast and you do this. Take this book. Keep, read, read this book. Listen to the podcast. Listen to this. Listen to PCL. Now, I give it to them to listen to. There's many people, they will finish listening to it. When they come back, I try to talk with them. I try to engage them in conversation. You know why I'm engaging in conversation? Because if truly they have listened the way they were supposed to listen, one of the things you see is that their language will change. In fact, they will now start encouraging me. Because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? They said, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. So, all the answers to your prayer, listen, all the answers to your prayer are a result of what you put inside. So, stop looking for a quick, you know, microwave generation. Pastor, pray. Just pray. Pastor, please. If you don't pray now, I'm finished. No, pastor, do something now. Someone came to see me about a, a case. And you know, a lot of pastors do this. A lot of pastors do it. Like, you come and see the pastor. And some pastors see that as a breakthrough for them as they are in, in ministry. A rich man comes and says, I have this oil farm and something is going wrong. If you pray for me and it comes, I'll give you 10%. Don't come and stand in front of me and say that, you know. If you come, I'll tell you, okay, come and sit down in service. You give me percentage. What's wrong with you? Am I a prayer contractor? <laughs> if you come, I'll tell you, sit down. You sit in the... When you submit yourself to the word of God, the answer will come. You see, I, I, I keep telling people, I said the medicine is in the message. Sit down. Keep listening to the word of God. Stop looking for quick fix. If God gives you a miracle and he doesn't, add the, he doesn't add the map to it, you are in trouble. <laughs> Listen to me again. If God gives you a miracle, he doesn't add the map to it, you are in trouble. Because it will definitely resurface again. Didn't you hear Jesus say it? He said, when the devil leaves a man, he said, comes back. So it's the devil's nature. After the devil tempted Jesus Christ, the Bible says that, uh, uh, the devil left him for a season. So the devil was going to come back. So whatever you were healed from, it will try to come and test you again. Whatever miracle you receive, it will try to test you again. But it shouldn't come to meet you idle. It shouldn't come to meet you not knowing anything. It shouldn't come to meet you, you know, empty. By the time it comes back, you should be full of the word of God. Dominion is a reality. So, you, you do the things that, you know, it takes to experience that dominion. So, feeding on the word of God. So important. Now, I'm going to, you're going to time me. Alright. So, dominion is a reality. Growing in the spirit. Romans chapter 8. Growing into maturity. We are getting to perfection. We are going to maturity. 
We are going on to maturity. Romans chapter 8. Huh. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Wow. And I explain. If children, then heirs. When we were born again, we, were, we became God's children. So, Paul is making an argument here. He says, if children, then heirs. Wow, that means if we are children of God, that means we are heirs of God. And I explained it with, if, I, if God were to ever leave his throne, that means we were supposed to succeed it. That's a big thing. Though. If children, then heirs. It doesn't end there. He said, heirs of God. Kai. Then he adds another one. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, joint heirs is different from co-heir. When you say co-heir, it means these people have, if they are, they are say like co-accounts, alright? They have 100 cities in the account. Two people. They have 100 cities. If it's co-accounts, you will see that this one has maybe 50%, 50%, or 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20. No, no, no that's a co-account. When it's a joint account, that means they both own the 100%. That means they both own the 100 cities. If they want to make a withdrawal, both of them have to sign. That's the, that's the meaning of joint S. No wonder Jesus speaks and he needs you to endorse. Join heirs with Christ. But, but God says, yes, heirs. So we can start jumping. Yes, we are heirs of God. Join heirs with Christ. We can start jumping about it. We can start shouting. Yes, we are heirs of God. This is something to shout about. That means we are not supposed to be in poverty. Because anything that belongs to God belongs to us. We are not supposed to be in want. We are not supposed to be in lack. Anything that belongs to God belongs to us. Then we look at our life. Then, is it that God is lying? Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. He said, think of it this way. Now, <laughs> look at it. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not, as, are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Hey. So, heirs of God, joint heirs of God, he said that it, he's not better than a slave. He said, until he grows up, even though he actually owns everything their father had. So, many things you are expected to manifest in your life are only waiting for your development. And I, I use this as an example. It's like telling a, a guy who is four years old, or maybe five years, six years, you tell him, Men can impregnate women. You say, okay. Then he also goes to try to do anything with a woman. Then no baby can say, ah, you said men can impregnate women. It is a truth. You are just not developed for that. You see. So, this is a truth. So we talked about how to grow, in the, uh, grow spiritually. The first one that we put there was feeding on the word of God. Feeding on the word of God. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow. Now, there's a second thing that we're going to start dealing with today. Second thing that makes for growing spiritually. Second thing. 
aligning with God. Aligning with God. Romans chapter 8. Let's go back there again. Aligning with God. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now remember what we read. He said, if children and heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Now I explained to you that when someone is born again, the person is a child of God. The Greek word is technon. That means a child of God. That's a baby. Then he grows, when he grows, he becomes a son of God. Now he says, the Christian awaited the manifestation, not of the children of God, but of the sons of God. The word son there is heroes. That means a, um, a child who has now been raised. You see, he's no longer a child. He's now been raised. He has been trained. Before he was a child. I'm a carpenter. He was a, a little child. Now I started training him to an extent that even though he's 15 years, I can leave my shop for him. My, my shop for him. Because he has been trained to take over it. He's not matured enough to take up responsibility in the house. Now, so the whole Christian is awaiting the manifestation not of God, not of the children of God, but of the sons of God. That means those who have been trained and raised by God. One of the ways that God trains and raises people, apart from feeding on the word of God, is by leading them. By leading them. People who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit of God. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, before you can even scream, I shall not want, you should have answered the question, are you led by God? The shepherd leads the sheep. You see, the Lord is my shepherd, because of that, I shall not want. So, your prosperity, your success, in the kingdom, is very, very dependent on how well God leads you. Or how much... You know, you subscribe to the leading of God. In this kingdom, listen, in this kingdom, good ideas don't fly. It is God's ideas that fly. In this kingdom, we don't, it's not, we don't deal with good ideas. Many of us are led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen. He says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end is the way of death. Now, <laughs> there is a way that, leadeth, uh, that, that seemeth right unto a man. You see, there is something in men, human beings. Right? It's like a, a self-destructive bomb. Okay, for example, look at something like an addiction. The one addicted knows that this addiction is destroying me, but he can't stop. When you see many people kicking against God today, let me tell you the reason. Nobody in his right mind can say there's no God. But they are kicking against the fact that I'm supposed to be controlled by somebody. That's the truth. Because nobody in his right mind, because even if we don't believe the positive part that there is God, if we don't believe the positive part that there is God, what about the, the evil powers? 
there are raw evil powers. If you, if you, if you debate with me tomorrow morning, we, I know where to go with you. There are people who, I know, I know a lady, she just met an idol. She didn't say, she didn't insult the idol. She didn't insult the idol. She didn't say anything. All she did was to just meet the idol. Her face started peeling off. I told you the testimony. Her face started peeling off. Just meeting the idol. The devil is very wicked. Though. Just meet and greet. That's all. So, and there are shrines today that if you, if you debate now, I'll give you the address. That you just enter and say, I'll give you the exact words to say. Enter and say, hey, and go out. Your life will never be the same again. You understand? So, even if we don't believe the positive part, there's certainly something somewhere. But the fact that the pe- people think I have my life and a certain book is saying I should not do this, I should do that, I should do this, then there's no God. Then, you know, people are not kicking against God. They are kicking against the fact that something, is, something wants to control me that I, I, I don't want to be controlled. But you see, there's a time bomb in man. You see, there's something inside man that leads him to destruction. He said there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. He said, but the end are ways of death. The end are ways of death. So, it's at the end that you see the foolishness of a man. So most of the time, when you want to know the real, the reality of a man's life, meeting when he's about to die, that's when everything now comes back to him and realizes, ah, I've wasted my time. Or, I have used my time well. Have you ever lived with somebody who was about to die, who was a, a staunch Christian? They die with so much joy. Die with so much joy. And I've also lived with somebody who was not a Christian. They die with so much pain and complain. Even look at us. Reality of life hits us when our close relative dies. Say, Nipa. Hey, human being is nothing. You know. that, that morning you insulted somebody. Say, hey, do you know who I am? But later you heard that your, your, somebody you knew, you saw three weeks ago. It's a person that, hey, human being. Especially when you go for funeral, you look at the person, slay queen, lying down, helplessly. Look at the person say, hey, human beings. And you are born again for that day. The next day you return back to your pride. Somebody steps on your leg and says, Hey, do you know who I am? I can buy you. See? Being led by God. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say the Lord... Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, the, the point I want to make here is, well, some of you know the scripture is a beautiful one. I know the thoughts. Someone say, I know the thoughts. God say, know the thoughts that you think concerning me. That's a beautiful verse of scripture to encourage yourself. But there's a part I want to bring out to you here. He said to give you an expected end. That means everybody walks into this life with a script with an expected end. Expected end. So, your life is not a guesswork. You see, that is why you need to subscribe to the leading of God. Because your life is not a guesswork. Jesus Christ said, in the volume of book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. There's an expected end. There's where you're supposed to end. Now, let me use that as an example. If you go and write exam, the lecturer who says the question, there's an expected answer. 
So when you get, come into life and you begin to, you know, um, do, you know, things that you prefer that you would do, you know what you are doing? It's like you go to the exam or you saw a question, then you now set your own question and answer it very well. You remember the story I told you about the guy? He learned about rabbits. Learned a lot throughout the night. He was learning about rabbits. Then he went to the exam hall. So what is a tree? Ah! He said he cannot waste everything he learned the last night. So he now said, a tree is something where rabbits lie under. Therefore, at this juncture, one may ask, what is a rabbit? <laughs> you, know, you know, wrote everything he knows about rabbits. So, you know, you look at like a very bulky answer sheet. Like, ask you for more sheep, please. Bring me more sheep. So, but what does... He's not writing about trees, so he's writing about rabbits, what he learned. So some people are exerting a lot of effort in life, yet it is not the expected end. There's a difference between success and fulfillment. You can be successful and not be fulfilled. You can exert a lot of energy. Ah, I've seen it before. I made, I made so much money, but I was not happy. There was a time, there was a time, I, you know, I made so much money, but I was not happy. Now, let's go deeper into it. How will I be led by God? How can I be led by God? How can I be led by God? How can I be led by God? The first way that God wants to lead a Christian. Okay, before I talk about how God wants to lead you, let me talk about how God does not want to lead you. Number one, God does not want to lead you by what we call fleeces. 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 We do it a lot. In fact, a young lady came to ask me a question. It was a very brilliant question. It's very good. I'll take it from there. You know what a fleece is? A fleece is God. If she's my wife, let her cook jollof for me tomorrow. Then the young lady just decided to cook jollof that day. Not because it was an answer to your prayer. She just decided to cook jollof that day. Then you saw the jollof and said, God, thank you for answering me. That's a fleece. God, if you want me to buy a car, let three birds fly on top of my house tonight. Then two flew. God, is it you? Then the last one came. Ah, God, it is you. <laughs> Someone said, if, if, if God is leading me to do something, then my back will be hurting. <laughs> You've never heard it before. Ah. Someone said, if God is speaking to her, like God is telling her, then she will feel a pain at the spine. You better go to the hospital. <laughs> Those are not ways God wants to lead us. Some of you are shocked. So, ah, so how will I? God will now leave me. You know, when we got born again fresh, this is the way we thought God would talk to us. We just open the Bible. Just put the Bible down. We open it. Anywhere to fall, that is the word of God for me today. Do you know that God can answer you with that for some time? God can talk to you like that for some time. 
Then someone said, okay, that means God, can, God talks to a liar. No, no. It's like, a, it's like teaching a child. Like teaching a child that if you want to know two, uh, two, ta- two times two, all right, the multiplication table, say two times one, two, two times two, four, two times three, six, two times four, eight. That is how you know it. When that child gets to university, you don't expect him to sit in, in examination hall mathematics in a university. It looks like, two times one, two, two times two, four. <laughs> they will carry him out. Do you understand? So, the reason for teaching, the teacher coming to that level is because he's a child. But that is not the standard. Do you get it? So, God does not want you to lead through fleeces. Uh, through fleeces. Now, the thing is, the, the challenge with fleeces is when God now stops that, because one day, you know, I used to do one in secondary school. God, I want to talk to me today. Then I'll open it. Then I'll see a nice scripture. Wow, thank you, God, you're talking to me. Until one day, I'm going to open. I've not done anything wrong to God. I saw woe unto you, Torazim. <laughs> I said, God, this is not me. I've not done anything wrong to you. Say, so, woe unto you, Torazim. For the day of your judgment. Say, hey. <laughs> I said, God, it's not me. Oh. It's not me. Then later, I began to find out from the word of God. So a young lady came to see me and said, after the after first service, because I gave the opportunity to ask questions. So she came to see me and said, in the Bible, when Abraham was going to take a wife for Isaac, Rebecca, he pulled a fleece. The servant pulled a fleece. And I said, good. I said, after that, did you ever see that it happened again? Did they pull a fleece again? Then... She said no. And I said, for something to become a doctrine that God is telling us to follow, it has to happen at least twice or three times. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word established. Now, secondly, it cannot be something we can put our life on as a doctrine because they did not have the Holy Spirit. Now, when you go to the book of Acts, when you go to the book of Acts chapter 1, when, after Judas died, they cast lots. They didn't pray to the Holy Ghost that who should replace Judas, they cast lots. And they chose a man called Matthias. That was the last time his name was mentioned, Matthias. That was the last time. It's after they cast lots and chose him, that was the end of his ministry there. Because that was not God's choice. That was not God's system. It was in Acts chapter 2 that they now received the Holy Ghost. So when they, they did not have the Holy Ghost, they cast lots. And that's mean you get it right. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, he comes with precision. You don't have to cast lots. God, if I walk, the first, the, the seventh lady I go close to, that's my wife to me. That's number one about fleas. Number two, God does not want to lead you through prophets. So people are shocked. God doesn't want to lead you through prophets. I'm not speaking against prophets. I'm a prophet myself. But I'm telling you the truth. I the truth there. I like it. it. It will be simpler for me to tell you that God can lead you through prophets. See me after church with 100 cities, I will prophesy. It's simpler. I will make a lot of money. I remember when I was on campus. I used to get hungry a lot. So I will go with Pastor Marvin. And I had a prophetic gift and they had a preaching. So they go into a room, they start preaching, and people are not minding them. Then they call me. I walk in majestically. 
I said, in the spirit, I begin to see now. And I begin to prophesy. They will be so... I said, um, don't you have any food over there? Yes, please! We have food! So we used to like going to Volta Hall site for soul winning. Until one day I was praying on, uh, uh, on uh, Sabbath field. The one that has been, you know... That we, that's what we used to pray. Until one day I was praying, and God said, if you don't stop that, I'll kill you. Because now, that was my motivation for so many now. So they like to call me. I said, you're called so many. And I know that it's not so many. It's hunger that has, you know. <laughs> because one day, those times, one day I finished prophesying. The lady just removed 500 Ghana. Man of God. Man of God. The, the Lord is just laying on my heart to give it to you. I said, yeah, it's the Lord. <laughs> so I started merchandising the gifts. So it's easier to say that. But the truth is, God does not want to lead you through prophets. There are people who meet uh, somebody on the road. And the person says, your name is this. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) 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 (laughs)
you know, to join a department. God didn't tell them to do anything in church. The only time they heard God was they, they liked the guy. The guy likes them. Pastor, the Lord has been speaking to me. <laughs> They're definitely going to get it wrong. And the decision of that nature is too heavy. So if you want to do a business, they are not sure of what, whether they should do it or not. Then they come to... In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it was true that a prophet would, would guide the people and direct the people because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. The prophet was only one with the Holy Ghost. In the New Testament, every believer has the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead you too. Okay? Now, the only difference in the New Testament is that the prophet can confirm what God has already told you in your heart. Now, if that is a voice God has sent you, for example, there's a voice God has sent you, like your man of God. That's a voice God has sent. That's a familiar voice you know. If that's a voice God has sent, sent you with, when you, when you believe his words, you take his words, but I, all, I, I also urge you to also develop a prayer life as well. So the day he misses it, you don't miss it. Can a man of God miss it? Yes. Yes. It's easy for me to tell you a man of God cannot miss it. I'm holding the microphone. But I'm telling the truth. A man of God can miss it. A man of God missed it before. Samuel. He went into Jesse's house and said, Behold, the Lord's anointed. God had to say, say, Hey, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The Lord does not look as man looks. Man looks at the outer appearance. God looks at the heart. This is not the one I'm anointing. Hold on. Someone saw it. The guy, the guy looked like a king. He already looked like a king. Do you know how many men of God prophets have missed it with who to marry? They didn't know they were marrying tigress. I know, I know, I know a man of God. He, he cannot go to his house. Every time he's sleeping in the office. No, I know. It's not like somebody told me. I know him. The last time I went with my, two of my friends to go and uh, visit him, the wife said, Oh, Nihoko. The wife said, Nihoko. The man said, I'm here. The woman said, he's not here. Go. Go to your house. Go. They were sucking us. That's how we also just, uh, we have not married before, so we just. <laughs> the man, when the man is narrating the story, a prophet, that mighty prophet. So one day the lady just pulled knife. If he likes, he should step out. Or see his. I know a prophet who married, divorced in one year. He said he can't. He can't. He said he can't. Prior to the wedding, the lady will cook from salt pond and bring to Dansuma. Salt pond to Dansuma. Salt pond to Dansuma. The day they married, the man was asking him, so food. He said, my brother, my brother, my brother. The day, the day, After election, no campaign. <laughs> All right. Certain foundations you need to set before you can trust the, you know, before you, you confirm or make an inquiry from God. Certain foundations. Number one is purity of heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, so you cannot see the hand of God or God in any situation when your heart has not been... When I say purified, the purity of heart here is you rid your heart of any preconceived answers. You like the guy. All right? So, because you like the guy, before God is answering, you have answered. It's like your heart, and, and I, I said this to the, the, them in the first service. I said, ladies, when you want to pray about a, a, a guy, and your emotions are all over the place, don't say God has spoken, because you'll get it wrong. What do you do? Give time. You have to give it time till your emotions settle. Then you can inquire. Because you need to clear your mind of, I like his height. I like his ears. You need to clear your mind. Let me tell you. Guys are so smooth. Eh? If you don't use a divine thing, you'll never catch them. Am I right? There's no way. Eh, when a guy wants to lie to you, there's no way you cannot catch him. Unless you are using a divine balance. I'm telling the truth. Because, you know why you cannot catch him? Because sometimes, even they, they don't know that they are lying. <laughs> the guys know what I'm talking about right now. They know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes they don't know they are lying. They think they actually like you. It is after something that they realize, ah. Purity of heart. So you just let us settle the fact that the, the primary way that God wants to lead the believer is by the inner witness. Inner witness. Inner witness. That's the first one. That's the inner witness. I was trying to lay the foundation of the things to clear before you can um, trust the inner witness. But let me just state the inner witness. Inner witness. Inner witness. Inner witness. What's an inner witness? It is not a voice. The inner witness is not a voice. The inner witness is, um, is like a check that God has given. It's like red and green lights. Some people say something called red flag. Yeah, there's, there's an inward thing called a red flag. You're going to do the business. All of a sudden, something is not right. And sometimes, even you feel right. It is only when you pray. Because speaking in tongues activates your spirit. When you pray in the spirit, all of a sudden, you feel uneasy about this particular thing you are praying about. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. The moment you start feeling confused, not at peace, the moment you feel like that, there's a red flag. That's a check. The Holy Ghost is giving you a check. It's not a voice. You're not hear articulate words, but at that time, there's something, it's like a beep. Ping, 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 ping. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. I was telling them one time, some, some years ago, when I was, um, you know, when I was doing music, there was a time I had two programs. And one was a church. 
And the church had a lot of people. All right? And I know that church, if I went for that program, the honorarium would be very big. Very big. I was envisioning a fat envelope. This is some years ago. I was envisioning a fat envelope. So, you know, I, went to, I was getting ready, getting ready for the program. Then I now received a call from Temasco. They also wanted me to come to their school to come and sing on the same day, same day of this one. What would I do? I would not like Temasco. I didn't like Temasco. I wanted to go to this one because the money there is big. The people there, it's a big church in this Ghana. So, yes, I was getting ready for this one. Now, I decided to go and pray about the program, not to even ask God. I was just praying. While I was praying, the check, the inner witness. When I prayed about this, I set my mind on this red flag. When I, I, I set my mind, I said, God, you want me to go to Temasco? I was thinking. But when I pray about Temasco, green flag. I said, God, no, 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 no. Go and go to Temasco. No, 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 no. I don't like it. Then I started praying. Now, I was even forcing myself, God, God, the anointing will be here. He said, no, it's not going to be there. He said, go here. Then, later, I resolved because it was now a tassel in the night, praying, praying, praying. So, I now decided that, okay, I'm going to go to Temasco. Now, these people were going to give me a lot of money. And I, I also carry boys with me, band boys and all that. I always carry them with me. Now, I go to Temasco. I minister, I sing, I sing, I sing, we close. They gave me a bag. What was in it? Jovita and biscuits. And they came to me and said, man of God, we want to thank you for coming today. Thank you so much. As I held it, I was not seeing any envelope. I was wondering if they've left it. So I thought maybe the envelope is, at, is under the, the bag. Because usually sometimes they do it like So I thought the envelope would be under. But you can't check it there. So you have to wait till you sit in a car. Before you can check it, so I sat in the car checking the red blue. I said, hey. <laughs> But you know what? Long term, I appreciate going to Temasco that day. You know why? Because during those times, because that was not the only time God did that to me. I, God started sending me to places like that. Please, small people, you know, young people, people who can't give me anything. God sent me there a lot of time. You know what I learned there? I learned how to meet a dry atmosphere and command the anointing. I started learning it from there. So, after some years, I realized that anywhere I get to, once I pick the microphone, the power of God begins to move. That is where I learned it. So, I might have gone for money in this other one. But God was leading me here because God wanted to give me something more eternal. So, being led by God is too important. This is just a, I'm just giving you prelims of it because there are three ways that God leads us. In fact, four. The inner witness is number one. The inner witness. But most of the time, it's, it's the inner witness. So, sometimes some people wish like they, they could hear from God like Pastor Enoch. Like say, audibly hear God in my, own, in my whole Christian work, audibly hear God, even if it's not prophetic, in my own life, because most of the time, if I'm seeing or I'm hearing from God, it is for other people. If it is for my own life, hearing from God audibly, it is only twice, my whole Christian work. Twice. Because God wants to lead you by the inner witness, not by a voice. A great man of God, Kenneth Hagin, 
share the stories. In 1958, he was, he was in a meeting and he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was telling him that he should go to this church. And when Jesus Christ was done talking with him, he told him, this is the last time I will lead you like this. From today, when you want to be led by me, use the inner witness. The inner witness is too important. That is how to escape evil. You see, when you are there and all of a sudden that thing is happening, all of a sudden you get uneasy. Don't sleep on it. God is telling you, there is nobody who got into a fatal accident or got into an accident that they survived who never said that they felt it coming. God will always make sure. Most of the time, we are too busy to even recognize the inner witness. And that is what causes a lot of pain. So you look at, oh, these people were Christians and they got involved in an accident. You don't know if God was trying to reach them. That's what we don't know. We don't know the backstory. We don't know how God was trying to reach them and how did they respond. The inner witness is too important. I'll take two questions. There you go. On what I've taught. So some people came to me after the first service. They came to ask me here. Don't ask me here. Ask here. Let, let everybody hear it. And uh, so that some people can learn from your question. Is there a place to be shy? Someone there. Okay, there's some, another person there too. Any other person? Okay, four. All right, go ahead, quickly. Go ahead. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. I want to ask that. Please, I want to ask that. Uh, how do you become very effective with hearing, uh, bearing things with the inner, uh, the inner witness? How do you become very effective, effective. with it? Yes, sir. Okay. Most of the time, all right, inquiry, when you are inquiring from God, you are asking God, should I go ahead with this or not? All right? Most of the time, it's very effective when you pray in tongues. Very effective. Because speaking in tongues now brings out the, it's like, it's an antenna. It tunes the, the, the wires or the antenna to catch the, God's frequency. I easily hear from God when I, when I pray in the Spirit because I, I, I am, in quote, functioning at the frequency in the Spirit. Now, when I'm not sure when I'm speaking in tongues, what I have to do is I have to add fasting. When, after fasting, I'm still not sure, I have to add the last thing. But that last thing should have gotten your answer. Otherwise, you are ignoring what God is telling you. That last thing is seclusion. That means you have to take away, you have to go away from everybody, put off your phone, and fast and pray. Pray in tongue unto God answers you. I was talking with my auntie. I went for waiting somewhere at a crop and my auntie was around. So I went to pay a visit. She's old and she has been with her husband for 40 years. So I asked her a question. And they are really very close. In fact, they are still in love. They still walk together. They still sit down together. So I asked her, how did you make the choice with your husband? I don't know why I asked that question. So she now told me. I clapped when she said it. She said, at the time she was ready to marry, if you see her today, you realize that ah, this lady, when she was young, she was very beautiful. She told me, she said, at the time she was ready to marry, seven men wanted to marry her. Seven. And her current husband was the number seven. <laughs> so, he, he was not, if he was top, he's not even top three. You understand? If he was supposed to go by that standard, he was not supposed to be part. All right? Because she said her personal preference was that she wanted to marry someone who lived in a bungalow. 
a teacher in a bungalow. So number uh, husband number three or uh, husband no not husband man three okay man three was a teacher at Laboni who also lived in a bungalow there. So looked like he's supposed to go by how she feels. So she said she fasted for fifteen days. Then she made a choice with number seven. They do the work of God together. She, she, she took so, so many years. It took so many years for her to have a child. Yet the man didn't cheat. The man didn't give her problem. You see, when we follow God, eh, we we'll like it. So, husband to this one to 15 days fasting for what? <laughs> I like the guy. He has broad chest. He's a very handsome. He's tall, dark, and handsome. That's all I want. I like thick guys. <laughs> See, so you've made a decision by the flesh. So, the consequences, you suffer it. Sometimes you like tall people, but the one God wants to give you is short. But you. You say, oh, Lord, no, oh, Lord, no. So, have I answered your question? Effective. You start to pray, pray in tongues. Most of the time, um, Reverend Kenneth Hagin said this. This is my experience. Reverend Kenneth Hagin said, anytime he has an inquiry from God, he said he doesn't pass three days of fasting. By the third day, he has his answer. For me, mostly by my second day, I have my answer. Sometimes even the same day. Most of the time, the same day. By my second day, I have my answer. Question. Next person, not me. How are you doing? Thank you, sir. Sir, please, I would like to ask, if you are time-bound to take a decision and still you don't get an intuition from God, what, how you put it, green light from God, and you still have to take a decision, what do you do? Don't and, take the decision. And sir, quickly, another one. I was listening to Pastor Chris on a single seminar, mm-hmm. and he said, you can meet a lady today and decide to marry her, and it can be God's will, yes. It can be God's will. Yes. So how, that, how do you relate that with trying to wait and pray? And also made it clear that trying to marry someone is more or less like your own decision mm-hmm. and not something in the hands of God. Okay. If I put it that way. Good. I like that question. How many of you want me to answer that question? Yeah. I like that question. Now, this is, this is the truth. The truth is that two Christians, two Christians can just meet themselves and marry. According to the word of God. Once they like themselves, they meet themselves and marry. But, there's a but. When your life and your destiny is connected to other people, God would like to have a say. Why? Because of the, of the other people. There are many people who are Christians and their life is just balancing the ecosystem. Such people, they say, oh, I want to marry this. God say, go ahead. Go say. But there are certain people, God say, no, don't pick this one. Don't pick that one. Because your lies, you know, the, the person is now becoming a vision helper. You understand? So that kind of person, God would like to get involved. Do you get it? Good. Now, um, the first question you asked, I said, don't take the decision. Because you don't say, God is keeping long. Once God is keeping long, don't move. God is keeping long with the answer, don't move. And for the second one, about the, the you can meet a, a lady one day and, and marry her the same day. It's very true. You see, but 
in our current generation, they don't understand. Some, you know, so sometimes to fulfill our righteousness, you just be hanging around doing like a. But sometimes, if you are very spiritual, eh, when you are very spiritual, you can meet a lady. You can't try that today, though. They will say you are lying. You are very spiritual. You can meet somebody and say, I know, this is, this is my wife, I know. I know. Some, some men of God I know. A great man of God I, I, I admire a lot. He met his wife. He met his wife. He said, you are my wife. But he didn't force her. He said, you are my wife. And he left. He didn't have to woo her. You are the apple in my garden. You see? And, and most of the time... And most of the time, when that man of God is saying that, the Holy Ghost should have also witnessed the woman. That, that one is also non-negotiable. If somebody comes to you and say, you are my wife, I know it. And you, you have not, God has not told you anything, you can disregard. But once the person too has the inner witness, say that, okay, let me go and pray about it. The person goes to pray. And God says, that is it, okay. You come and say, yeah, I'm married. Yeah, so, okay, when are you marrying? Tomorrow. They're married. <laughs> Because that, that, thing of, that thing of we have to know each other is, is worldly. It is not of God. I'm telling you the truth. Let me tell you why. You see, you, you want to bring the world into church. <laughs> when, <coughs> uh, okay. In love. Love. Eh? Love. We love not because of, but in spite of. So, if knowing somebody will now influence your decision, you know, but sometimes you don't say these things because people are already used to, I want to know him, he has to know me, I want to know him, he has to know me. <laughs> eh? If, if you, you, you already have that thing, you know, God will just go through that. But real <laughs> standard, you can know once you have the knowledge in your spirit. Nevertheless, it's not a license to also rush. Once you know, okay, you know, this one say, hey, you two are my husband. Okay, fine. All we need to do is go and see our parents. All we, all, the only thing is that we have to just get it right. Because sometimes you can rush out of feelings and emotions and get it wrong too. So you have to make sure that you are getting it right. That's it. And you have to check with these two things. I, I was not able to lay the foundation. The purity of heart and the spirituality. There's a thing called spirituality, which is not trying to pray. Prayer is not spirituality. Spirituality is walking in the word of God. You know, some guys are very, very cunning. Every opportunity they get, they want to use it. So some, somebody can meet you after service and say, listen, what pastor was saying, it was me. I, you, are my, you, are, you are my wife. I know it, I know it. Don't worry, I, just, I know it. Look at the person and say, you, that's here the Lord. The Lord has not said anything. Please, 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 please. Have you, have you watched that video? The keyboardist 
the guy who was, I think it was a Valentine's kit. Oh, you should watch it. The guy said, ah, I'm the one who plays the keyboard in church and the Holy Spirit appears physically. <laughs> it was a video, yeah. Yeah. Then the girl said, oh, I like uh, Made Away. He said, oh, yeah, that's my, my favorite song to Made Away. And, and the, I think the guy said, um, Valsde, let's go out. What do you think? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm in the office now. You're on loudspeaker. Pastor is hearing you. Then the guy now said, that's why I told you, learn the song on Valsde. <laughs> Glory to God. So be led by the Spirit. Someone said, I'm led by the Spirit. Say, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. In my spirit. Say, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. In my spirit. Lift your hand and begin to pray in the spirit now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, I think I was, I was supposed to take some other questions. Let me take. All right. Who's that? All right, quickly. Yeah, these are all been guys, so it would be unfair to take the ladies. It would be unfair not to take the ladies home. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Did you get the offering bags ready? Thank you, Pastor. Um, I wanted to ask if there's actually a time bound, I don't know how to say this, like when you have this uneasiness yeah. within you and you prayed, but unfortunately the thing, something bad happened, like a fatal accident happened or something. I wanted to ask whether there is a time, a limited time to wait, like the thing happening or, like, is there a particular time that it happens, like a period where you can pray for long and then yes. it won't happen? Yes. Yes. Good question. Now, I don't know if you understand what she's saying. Alright, she's trying to say, if you get an uneasiness, it's like, how long are you supposed to pray or work on it? Because sometimes you have the uneasiness, you prayed, but it still happened. Let me tell you what, what, what you got wrong. So from today, you don't get it wrong again. I was planning to get there, but because of your question, let me answer it. Now, the thing about these promptings is that, remember Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he went um, sorrowful the night before he died, when he was praying at Gethsemane. The Bible says he was deep with sorrow, right? Because of what was going to happen, he also had the same uneasiness. Do you understand? So he carried that uneasiness into prayer. Prior to that, his disciples had come to him and come to tell him, oh, the demons um, uh, bowed down in your name. Bible says Jesus Christ was praying with joy. But this time around, this prayer was different. This prayer was with uneasiness and sorrows and tears. When he was going to pray, what did Jesus Christ tell Peter? He said, pray that you enter not in temptation. That means Peter, his denying of Jesus, Peter's denying of Jesus, had been seen by Jesus Christ already. And the only thing to avert it was prayer. What did Peter do? He slept. And it happened. Because Jesus Christ said, pray that you enter into, not, into temptation. So, that denying that Peter denied Jesus, it was not compulsory. If he prayed, he would have averted it. Now, this is the thing. That's why I, 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 I keep trying to teach people how to pray. You see, when you are praying, don't just pray and stop at your convenience. You need to use your spirit as a check. You pray and pray one hour, two hours, it is not gone, you have to retain and most of the time, these kind of things, don't postpone them. Don't try it. You have to learn to act promptly. 
when something like that happens, when you feel that uneasiness, start immediately. Start the prayer immediately. If you cannot start there and then, look for somewhere and start praying. I remember a lady, that, uh, a story I had, a, a lady, her own came on the street. She, she put her things down on the street, on the pavement, and she started sobbing and crying and praying, and praying, and praying, and praying. While it was going on, at the same time, arm robbers were in her house with a gun on her husband's head. At the time she was released and relieved, according to reports, they didn't kill anybody, they didn't take anything, they left. So, at the time, when, it, when that uneasiness comes, look for someone and pray. A friend of mine told me that he was having an uneasiness. And I knew that the one he was, he was describing was death. Was death. I told him, I said, look, pray every day. And I said, if you were sick in your, in your workplace, they would have given you leave. I said, ask for leave. Go home and go and pray. Ask for leave for three days. Go home and go and pray. Because what you are dealing with is bigger than you. He asked for the leave. He got it. He was at home praying and praying and praying. Sometimes, when you pray, you even have a word from God. But after you are done with the prayer, as you are going, the uneasiness starts again. You have to return. Yes. You have to keep at it until peace. Peace is the answer. Peace is the answer. He said, be anxious for nothing. That means anxiety. Some, some form of anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. He said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Then he said, the peace of God, that's for past all understanding, shall garrison your heart and your mind. So, the peace of God is God's answer. When are the, uh, uh, you are done with it and peace comes into your heart, that's when you are done. So, we don't stop praying when we are tired. We stop when we are done. I've answered. I've answered you. What's the last person? Thank you, sir. Yeah. Please, I wanted to know if the inner witness is the same as your conscience. Um, the, your conscience is the voice. Hmm. Your conscience is the voice of your human spirit. I will come to that. It's one of the, the, the ways God leads us. It's the voice of your spirit. And the, the, the tricky thing about the conscience is that your conscience cannot be a true guide if you don't know the word of God. Because when you pray like that, your spirit begins to scan. When you read First Corinthians chapter 2, he said, What things know the things of a man, save the, uh, the spirit of man which is in him. So when you begin to pray like that, your spirit begins to scan. So if you don't know anything in the Bible, your spirit doesn't have anything to, to, to bring out for you. So, the, the inner witness is a different thing. That one's a check. No words. It's just a check. Just an inner intuition. Alright? But the conscience is a voice. It's the voice of your human spirit. And also, please, is there anything one can do to, like, kill the inner uh, witness? Inner witness. Yeah, if you ignore it for long, it will go. And whatever was supposed to happen, will happen. So, so what can you do to revive it? To revive your inner witness. It's just training. It's just training. It's like... Um, if I ignore my inner witness, it will not leave immediately. I will be ignoring, 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 ignoring until it will go. Alright? So, if I want my inner witness to be very sharp, when it comes, I don't ignore it. If you, don't, if you keep encouraging your inner witness like that, anytime something is about to happen, sometimes it might not even be you, but another person, but your inner witness will capture it for you. Have I answered you? Yes, yeah, sir. Um, Pastor, before we pray, <laughs> yeah. Um, before we pray, 
like we have an ambition to pray. No, we don't. We don't need to do that. Okay, like you've seen something and you want it. Yeah. Then then you go and you are praying. Okay. Is is it right? No. When you are a child, we tell you that when you want something, go and pray. When you start growing, we tell you that go and ask if it is God's will first. Okay. If it is God's will, then you can proceed with the prayer. Okay, so so what if you want something? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you pray about it. Uh-huh. Uh, is it different, like, is it different from um, the pure in heart? Like, if you if you are going for something, you should be pure in heart. You said we should be pure in heart. So what if you wanted it already? You already wanted it before uh, you prayed about it. Uh, like, can you, like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, <laughs> can you have a pure in heart where you want something and you are praying about it? Um, I'll need a, a, a scenario, a definite scenario. Give me an example of the thing you want. Like, for example, you want, you want money. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you need yeah. money for maybe your school fees. Uh, Definitely, it is God's will for you to pay your school fees. Yes. So that one, we are not even going to inquire if it is God's will. <laughs> Do you understand? So that one, I, I need to um, uh, use what we call prayer of faith. I, and I now need to express my faith at that time. So it's not about... So you don't want I need to pray about it. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> I understand. Go ahead. Let's say you're, you're a street boy. Okay. Uh, and, and you want, like, extreme money. Like, mm-hmm. extreme money. And yeah. you went to church and you heard that, oh, with faith, like... Hey, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. And whatever you want, add faith, pray for it, and it will come. So what if, like, you are saying that we should have pure hearts before praying, and then we will be able to see God. So how can we balance it? Like you want it, and you want a pure heart, and you are praying. The, the, the scenario you are giving me, eh? you want to answer him, eh? You want to explain his question? Yeah. I understand his question, but it's like saying, let's say you're a scammer. Alright? That's the word you want to use. I now understand your question. We now, we now understand your question. Alright, let, let, let me say, let's say you're a scammer and. Um... <laughs> Alright, please allow me to answer him, man. Let's say you're, you're a scammer, and um, let's say you're a scammer, and uh, you want to act your faith in church, to, you know, let me tell you the truth. God can help you hit. That's the truth. Eh? But He doesn't. He, it, it will not happen by the agency, okay, of. God's perfect will for your life. There's something called the God's permissible will in your life. But there are dangers with that one. Now, with the permissible will, or the permissive will, it happens like, for example, if a wire in this socket shocks somebody, what will we say? Electricity has shocked him. Does it mean that ECG was the one who shocked him? 
So sometimes men of God are able to use the power of God to get some of those things done. Just number one, every gift that God has given every man of God, he will account for it. So that one today will account for it. Then, because it's permissible now, answered prayers are not the proof that God has approved. Ah, if God doesn't want me to travel, why did he give me the visa? God didn't give you the visa. Permissible will. You are functioning in the permissible will. Like, God has permitted it. But there are dangers to that. If God really likes you, after he helps you to hit one, two, he will now collapse everything you have, you have, you have done. He will collapse it. But he will help you in the beginning. Sometimes he does it to just get your attention. And after he gets your attention, and he has gotten your attention, he says, oh, God is good. Then you, come, you keep coming to church, you keep coming, coming, coming. Then God will look for a way, capture your heart, then collapse it. Because God wants your heart and not your money. But you want the money. But God can make you without that. And that is the road God will now start teaching you, taking you on. God has to take money out of your heart before he can give you money. Do you understand? Yeah. So sometimes people come, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, and I know what they are doing, you know. I, I, I look at it, I don't, I'm, I'm not judgmental. Everyone who knows me knows I don't, I'm not, I don't judge people. I look at them, and I know that the problem is not the business they are doing. The problem is God has to capture their hearts. So most of the time, they just need to keep coming. As they keep coming, God arrests them. And they drop it. What?